0: After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Kanyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset we encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. So as those of you who have listened to Munch Madness in our recent episodes know, we are on year two of bread being the food of the year, which means we're going to be churning out the bread content for you all year long. Today we've got a special guest in the studio here to talk about challah, which is one of my favorite breads to eat. In the studio with me today, I have friend of the show, Gab. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you, Tefer. Happy to be here.
0: So as you all know, uh, in the last round of Munch Madness, bread was crowned for the second year in a row, food of the year. Mm -hmm. And so we are diving headfirst into our bread content. And we figured, you know, Gab makes challah every single week, at least once, right? Once or twice. Once or twice, Maybe yeah. every two weeks. Um, so who better to come on the show and talk about enriched dough that is braided?
1: That's what I'm here for.
0: So tell me about your relationship with Hala. How did you become somebody who makes Hala once or twice a week?
1: Well, I suppose uh, I have to thank my uh, sister-in-law who... Uh, She's, uh, she's got a big family, uh, lots of uh, people to cook for, so she's uh, always making, you know, her own recipes, and some of that, you know, especially for a very traditional Jewish family household uh, that she's part of, challah uh, is the essential bread that you make, so I think uh, she kind of inspired my own challah-making uh, for, for my time, you know, here in Montreal.
0: And what what's the recipe you use? Like, if you yeah. use the same recipe every time
1: yeah I think uh yeah the recipe I got from my sister in law which uh is enough to make like uh two lobes and it's essentially bread with uh, the secret is there's quite a lot of sugar and uh, a lot of oil and on one egg it's almost brioche bread I'm sure mm-hmm. you're a cup of milk away from the batter turning into brioche so it's mm-hmm. it's very sweet you you knead it a little bit you just let it rise, then you cut it up, you braid it, you let it rise again. It's very simple. You don't need, you know, like a Dutch oven or anything. As far mm-hmm. as breads go, it's, it's very, very straightforward as a, as a recipe.
0: Mm-hmm. A nice weekly bread to have. Do you know what defines challah? Like, is it the braiding? Is it the recipe? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, what is it about challah that makes it challah?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I don't really know the full origin, but I believe that uh, the recipe itself, I think, probably borrows from, I believe, some like, I've I've had to guess, ballpoint somewhere like Germanic or Eastern European, Polish-Romanian background, some kind of bread of that type that was just sort of uh, done by, by the Jewish community as well, so... The braiding, I think, yeah, it's just like kind of like a cultural artifact, more mm-hmm. so than say like a religious one in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's iconic now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, definitely. I mean, if you ever watch my sister make Kala, she'll just uh, get the whole like six strands, six braids, but like a whole bunch of them laid on the floor. And she'll just like super quickly, you know, make like a bunch of six braid halas all in wow. one pass. It's a. Uh, Quite impressive. I, I can't. I try doing the six braid hal and like there's quite a the pattern to it. For me, I just do uh, the three braid, which okay. is uh, super easy. Anyone can do it.
0: Yeah. I just started actually um, practicing four strand braids on my daughter's hair mm-hmm. in order to learn them so that I can try them on bread. Um, so I just make her let me practice the braiding. Yeah. No, that's yeah.
1: it. Yeah. If you ever done any like knotting, knotting hair, then yeah. the braiding's going to be super easy. I think I like to go at it as a kind of like a mathematician's way where it's like, okay, I need like a 90 degree angle, two strands and another strand perpendicular to each other, and then start there, and then the pattern just kind of go. I don't know if i would never braided hair, but maybe now I've also developed that as a secondary skill.
0: I think you probably have, because you make some very nice three-strand braids. Mm -hmm. Like, full, full disclosure, we just ate a loaf of Gab's challah at dinner, and it was really delicious and pretty.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's the other nice thing about like um this kind of bread that because it rises so nice in the oven that mm-hmm. if you if you saw the 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 way it looks before it goes in the oven it looks just a little bit you know maybe a little bit disheveled because uh, I got big hands and my braids kind of stretch out <laughs> more than they should when I'm knotting them but mm-hmm. they grow together and they always look super nice in the end.
0: They do. They really do. Like, I've seen, like, bulka challah, which is, like, done in a loaf pan mm-hmm. in the grocery store. But I think that's the only experience of non-braided challah I've ever seen.
1: It's a bulka challah, you say? That's
0: what they call it. It's from the Snowden Bakery. Oh. You can get it at, like, Provigo and at the Metro. And I get it sometimes because it slices nicely. Nice. Which actually kind of brings us to the other really beautiful part about challah, which is that it adds so much to anything else you can do with bread but most especially French toast.
1: Uh, yes. There's, some Because, yeah, like I was saying earlier that the challah is essentially like a brioche bread, so Mm -hmm. if you ever got, like, you know, uh, maybe a day-old or two-day-old challah and, you know, you already had your, like, your your dinner with the challah and everything, the leftovers... uh, make really, and I mean, really good French toast, so...
0: I mean, Deb Perelman of Smitten Kitchen, who is my culinary icon, basically says, like, yeah, you can make French toast with other bread, but why would you? <laughs> um, which I think is, is you know, a really strong position to hold.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, when you think about it, like, we like things together when the ingredients coincide right? we put like uh egg sauce and eggs benedict so you got this like challah bread that's already like a bit eggy really mm-hmm. sugary so let's just like dip it in like more eggs and sugar it's mm-hmm. just doubling up on what's good about it it's mm-hmm. gonna be delicious
0: yeah and it's got the texture to hold up to it too like it's got those Mm -hmm. developed gluten nets that will like the bread will hold its structure which you don't always get with french toast i find Mm -hmm. like if you make it with like a sandwich bread sometimes it'll go kind of mushy or fall apart and like challah does not do that to you
1: yeah and you know it's funny because somebody almost uh, ruined uh, french toast for me once because they just called it soggy bread
0: no oh they had bad french toast
1: yeah right that's like when people call coffee bean juice like it's like okay i see i see what you're saying here but you're like subtracting all like what's good about it in that sentence like
0: have you heard the one about how a soy vanilla latte is technically a three bean soup
1: oh oh that i mean (laughs) yeah okay like a very liquid yeah fair
0: yeah i mean for me with french toast The key is that you want to have it caramelized enough on the outside that it's not soggy bread.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially with like challah, you want to cut it like thick enough too for that reason.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Recently, for a couple of brunches, I've made a French toast casserole where you like layer the bread in the pan, pour the custard over it, and then bake it the next day. It's so good. I have to admit I did not make it with challah the last time I made it with sandwich bread and it still held up.
1: Sounds good. It almost sounds like a bread pudding type of thing. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like a bread pudding mm-hmm. and also not because you arrange the slices so that they're like kind of half out. So you get like a really like crusty, crunchy, caramelized top and then it's like just creamy at the bottom. And it's everything that's good about French toast, but much faster to make if you're making it for a lot of people.
1: Nice. It's actually funny because like um, my my father, he, he also makes a lot of challah. um Usually we like to have one for... Uh, the uh, the Shavu's dinner on Fridays, mm-hmm. and uh, he's uh, he's not like he's not like he doesn't like French toast, but he always in his own words used to say that French toast was just a vehicle for syrup.
0: Yeah, I I mean I'll I'll accept that or like whatever. But that's the other thing is that it's like beautiful and that you can put whatever you want. Like you can use some syrup and some sliced bananas and have yourself like a a, a um, you know whatever that banana. Oh my God, what's mm-hmm. that banana dessert? <laughs>
1: uh banana bread banana split
0: bananas foster you can have like a bananas foster french toast you can have like a blueberry and Mm. lemon french toast um you can have like a classic like raisins and cinnamon kind of classic bread pudding french toast Mm. so i kind of agree with him in that it's like a base for things but like you've got to have a good foundation yeah if the dish is gonna hold up
1: i mean that's why challah works like uh when I'm with my parents, you know, we'll basically for, like, a, a Shabbat dinner, we'll literally just have, like, a, a bunch of dips, a bunch of olives, some small cheeses. just, like, slices of challah for, for all the dips and all the spreads because mm-hmm. it just works beautiful with, like, any, anything you can spread on it.
0: It really does. You can go sweet. You can go savory. Really good for sandwiches and also just delicious plain, which is, like, honestly, not every bread holds up to that. But I feel like the mark of a really good bread is if you can eat it with nothing on it.
1: Oh, for sure, that's something I love to do. Like uh, if I go to a new bakery, I'll just like get like their most basic bread because mm-hmm. that should stand on its own bready legs.
0: Absolutely, um, and you know challah of all the breads like definitely has little bready legs that you braid up.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's how it stands up in the oven. You gotta bake it standing. You
0: gotta you gotta bake it standing. Um, and if you don't, uh. I don't
1: know. Shame on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, honestly, one thing I would say, though, is actually kind of like with Hala is that. I mean, my dad's he, he also, for example, has really gotten into uh, Dutch oven bread making. And lots of people have. And, you know, really nice lobes come out. But I find, like, with lobes of bread like that, the crust and the crumb are completely separate things. Whereas Hala, it's all one, one nice, soft bite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes I just when I eat bread where, like, I don't have to, like, really chew hard on the crust. I just want to enjoy the whole bread, you know, with a nice softness to the outside. Yeah,
0: like, there could be textural variants, but you want it to be, like, within a certain margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to be, like, chewing really hard on some of it.
1: Yeah. Like, I remember I used to really like ciabatta bread, but, like... And, like, it's still, like, a sandwich with ciabatta, but, like, when it's, like, a bread like that, it's, like, I realize, okay... Like 90% of my chewing effort is just going to like getting my teeth to cut this bread. Mm-hmm. Everything else is soft except like the core, the outside. But where you got like challah bread, it's like just a nice soft sandwich.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of May, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need, so by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. We are still trying to grow our Patreon to reach our fifty dollars a month goal. Uh, whenever we get there, we'll be launching our No Bad Food Recipe Club, where each month we post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. Uh, if any of the recipes we talk about on this show t- sound delectable and you really want to know about them, hey, head to Patreon.com/NoBadFoodPod, throw a couple of bucks at us, and help us get there. When we get there, we'll be launching our No Bad Food Recipe Club, where each month we'll post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. If you've ever listened to the show and thought, hey, I want to eat that, uh, help us get to the recipe club, and maybe you can. If you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. Pledges start at a dollar a month. It's a small commitment, and it makes a difference for us. So I did a little bit of like historical research on challah, but I'm also extremely aware that like I am not Jewish Mm -hmm. at all. So feel free to just like correct me at any point if anything that I say is not true. When I was looking it up, which, you know, began on Wikipedia because we're very, very academic here. Mm -hmm. uh, It was saying that you said that your recipe makes two loaves. Yes. And that traditionally like you have two loaves for Shabbos. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It goes that um, when the uh, Jewish people uh, were in the desert uh, on the way to to the Promised Land, uh, uh, they were given two two blessings, two uh, essentially loaves of this sort of very unique special meal. This mm-hmm. manna um, was originally uh, called, and so you have normally on a Shabbat dinner, you'll have two loaves of challah to represent mm-hmm. those two pieces of essentially a holy meal kind of blessed down and as a kind of reminder of that original kind of gift that was given to us uh, back in our exodus.
0: Okay, that's that's very cool. I have always known the mana story and I never knew that it was linked to Hala before.
1: Um, and there's a whole almost like a you know, uh, when you talk about, like, plating or something is served, mm-hmm. you're supposed to keep the challah under a towel or under wraps uh, before you properly eat it after mm-hmm. um, kind of like a halfway through the Shabbat ceremony where, you know, you do a blessing, you fill a cup of wine, you wash your hands, and then you uncover the challah. Okay. Because uh, I don't remember exactly, but it's essentially that uh, at the beginning, um, there's, like, a certain kind of... Set up for the dinner table, that the hala is technically not supposed to be part of. So it's so kind of like a way around that. You just put a towel over it. So only after it's time, you kind of rebuild mm-hmm. it, and then it's good to good to go for for the second half.
0: See that I knew from Fiddler on the Roof.
1: Oh, I really? Think.
0: I mean, I've also seen it. Like I've been to Shabbos dinners, mm-hmm. but I, I think the place that it most stuck with me was from. Fiddler on the Roof, which again, see, I am not. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not my cultural context. But, um, but see, this is
1: why I love Fiddler on the Roof because everybody can enjoy musical. So you come for the musical and you stay for a bit of you know, Jewish background and history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is the six strands and times two being twelve? Is that also symbolic? I know twelve tends yeah. to be important. Oh, um, I'm not really sure. Or am I just making this? <laughs> so, did you grow up? Um, Like having challah and Shabbos? Yeah. We mostly, mm-hmm. when it came to challah,
1: I remember back. So, yeah, I grew up in Argentina. I was a bit about around 10 years old when I came to Canada. But for us, the Jewish holidays back in Argentina, I remember around New Year's, uh, well, the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. would have a, a round loaf of challah. Yeah. Which it's kind of meant to to have like a very round year, one that just comes comes around to to good things and good fortunes. But it wasn't really until yeah, I guess we uh, found ourselves uh, living in Canada a few years into it, more and more immersed in the Jewish uh, communities here, and also through through my brother's marriage, uh, my sister's in law, my sister in law's own like uh, kind of um, family and background, and all the halas that we really got to. Uh, Began began to like integrate challah as like almost like a weekly part of, you know, a family meal mm-hmm. for us.
0: Mm-hmm. And now it's a part of your weekly ritual like that you do for yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. Yeah.
1: I, I think um, aside from like, you know, what is what exactly that it is, the hala, I think for me, one of the things I really like to do when I'm away from home is sort of bake or cook something that my family used to make just mm-hmm. so I have that sort of like little beacon of familiar connection even far away from them
0: food really really does that that's like i feel like that's something that comes up so often it's just like the way that we carry on family feeling generationally and that's very cool with something like hala, where it's like multi-generational like this ancient tradition Mm -hmm. that you get to partake in like through your family but also through this whole generational thing it's very cool
1: yeah, and I I don't even like realize that as much when I make it, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I do feel I don't know. There's something cool about essentially, like yeah, my sister in law essentially basically getting both like me and my dad and even my sister too like hooked on like making challah. Mm-hmm. And you know, we I don't think of it as like oh, you know, this recipe is getting passed down from generation to generation. But in a way, it is. It's no matter where you are, if you can like recreate something or cook something that you know. Kind of belongs to to some of your family it's uh, it's really a treat.
0: hmm absolutely. yeah, I was actually um, I was talking with my sister recently because she and I both independently of each other started making choreg, which is like Armenian uh, mm. um, holiday bread essentially. Nice. and neither of us had talked to each other about it, but then mm. got in touch and we're like, oh <laughs> you're doing that too. I think we we talked a lot last year and throughout Munch Madness about how bread how important bread is to people and I think that's really been emphasized by it winning a second year in a row like bread is extremely extremely important bread has just meant food in many cultures in many languages over the years and I really love the idea of having you know weekly rituals that are based so um so fully around bread because that's just like bread deserves that (laughs) I yeah. Think, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's very significant. I mean, even you know, in uh, Judaism, there's the uh, there's essentially the the week of Passover where where we right there's that recognition of the time where mm-hmm. the, the the story of Passover goes that you know the Jews were uh, leaving Egypt and they did not have enough time to um to bake the bread, so everything was kind of put together quickly, cooked quickly. So you had this like flat cracker, what's it called, mm-hmm. like matzo. And now for Passover, right, you are meant to not eat any recent bread, any anything, you know, it's yeast is grown. So bread not only kind of makes its way into like regular meals, but even like holidays have a consideration for the historical place of bread and what it means to, to have it and mm-hmm. not to have it and recognizing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Does every Jewish holiday have a bread component?
1: I mean to some extent you could say yes um i guess some 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 holidays uh the the high holidays i think culturally most of them just by by, by the culture by like you know the kind of like the more celebratory aspects there's always some some nice types of breads cooked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i could say that you know in hanukkah for example you're probably going to be having uh especially if you're maybe like um more like Ashkenazim Jews, more mm-hmm. like, you know, like European. You're probably making a lot of uh, donuts, a lot of fried yeah. dough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's there's a lot of baking. Uh, well, except for Passover, I suppose. But overall, yeah. But, I mean, I would say
0: matzah is like special bread for Passover, right? It's it's like special not bread.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. and nowadays you can even find like, a, I've seen like chocolate covered matzah, which I guess people are trying to like, have it there to take the edge off. But honestly, Matza is fine. It really you get used to it, and it's not bad if you if you know if you some some brands are better than others. But it's it's nice. So then, like yeah, it's a like Hala. I don't think necessarily challah was always meant to like be from the origin, like the bread of sort of like a lot of like Jewish communities. Mm-hmm. But it has become that, and. Well, as discussed previously, for very good reason. It's just mm-hmm. great. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Ma- make it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, like braided bread for celebration is very common in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. But like, but challah itself is something special.
1: There's some variations, obviously, like anything else. I know probably mm-hmm. like the recipe I make is definitely like on the sweeter end. I'm sure you could make it like less egg, more salt. uh, you could probably like sprinkle some like sesame seeds or whatever, kind of like a bagel. Mm-hmm. You can just uh, coat it any way you like it. Um, but I think what kind of is always the constant is, yeah, is that braiding. I think yeah. the braiding is really what makes the hala hala.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have not braided hala at like Shabbos.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think to me, that's like the cool thing about the braiding. Like, cause it's not something that I'd, I'd like do in maybe other. Kind of cooking, so getting through the braiding makes you feel kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, a little, I'm a little Jewish baker now. I get to <laughs> uh, get to do some some challah, get to braid, and well, it's just I don't know. I generally, it's just like bread making. I like there's just mm-hmm. something fun about like the the process of like getting your hands in the dough, and mm-hmm. it, it obviously I'm making it sound like I'm super passionate about like getting my hands started with dough, but. I suppose I am. I suppose there is something nice about preparing that.
0: You make more bread than a lot of people I know. <laughs> you're 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 definitely, like, up there as one of yeah. my bread-baking friends. That's
1: funny. I don't consider myself to be a bread-baker, but...
0: But you bake a lot of bread for someone who's not a bread-baker.
1: That's true. <laughs> I like it. Again, like, uh, I guess my whole family's doing it now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, my dad, you know, we... Um, I think we spend a lot of time on the phone. He's just... Uh, we talk sometimes... He lets me know how his uh, sourdough uh, bread turned out, Uh, what his thoughts, you know, are like perhaps is this, you know, what could have gone better, what was good about it, Why was last time better than this time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to, um, amongst the family, I guess there's a lot to talk about when it comes to bread. So
0: yeah, I think um, I was thinking about like when you were talking about the braiding, Making bread, the process of making bread is always a little ritualistic, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to wait for your yeast to be ready, whether that's natural yeast or or like baker's yeast, proof it, let it rise, punch it down, shape it, proof it. Again, there's these these multiple steps and adding the braiding to it just kind of adds another like element of uh, of ritual. That makes it kind of special.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think I think the nice thing too is that like, I think anyone can do it. You know, it's not. I know you know it's not like you really need like you know a Dutch oven or anything too fancy for bread. But I think specifically something like challah, I'd say it's like just just the braiding. It's nice, and it's like yeah, it's a maybe, maybe it's unique, but it's also the kind of thing that like like even like you know like younger kids, you could like teach them. You know, you can make uh, their own challah together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I feel like um, I had a friend, I had a neighbor who, like, I got to celebrate um, Shabbos with her and her family a few times as a kid. And I think one time we, like, made the the challah together first. I remember that just being very, like, yeah, special. I like food rituals.
1: Yeah. I think, think,
0: like, I feel like it's really significant. Like, all major holidays are about food to one Mm -hmm. extent or another. And I think that is cool.
1: Yeah, I mean... Celebration and food go together hand in hand.
0: Little, little dough hand in dough hand, standing on your own little dough legs. <laughs> little, now I'm just imagining little, little hollow guys walking around. It's a nice visual.
1: I see, too. They have little, little, little arms and little legs, too small for their size, and maybe little bread hat on top.
0: Little bread hat, yes. I think, I think you have your work cut out for you. You're gonna have to make little bread guys next time. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, the Eastern European egg babies?
1: Uh, maybe. Uh, what are you, they?
0: You could probably make them with challah. Um, it's like an enriched dough. And then, although they, they're mm. usually an Easter tradition, so maybe you wouldn't want to do mm. that. But um, it's like an enriched dough. And then you you wrap it around a hard-boiled egg. And you draw a face on the egg. And then you braid it so it looks like a little like bundled baby with a little egg face. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on those yeah. uh, next really spring nice. or something. So is it like an Easter bread? Yeah, it's like it's like an Easter bread in, you know, the Eastern European area where Hollow was also born from.
1: Yeah, I kinda 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 get the appeal of like, yeah, it's a holiday, so let's find a way to like express the holiday through the food that we make, right? Yeah. It also makes me think of um I, I know a little bit about the um sort of like a, there's a Mexican holiday, the uh, Day of the Dad where mm-hmm. One of the sort of traditional uh, baked goods made during the time is uh, translates to bread of the dead, which mm-hmm. um, generally I think it tends to be a very sugary, very sweet kind of bread with like a lot of like uh, kind of like colored sugar. Perhaps there's some shaping to it, maybe you know some like uh, symbolism on it. Mm-hmm. I've had some uh, freshly baked one time at a restaurant here. I got to say it's it's delicious, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's a kind of idea of like the holiday and the food are sort of. And entwined and, and represented in, yeah. the, in the meal itself. It's mm. got to be
0: delicious if the dead are going to come back for it. <laughs> That's right. And again, bread. So yeah, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For, did for you have anything me. else you wanted to, to hit on? I feel like we can wrap up there, but...
1: Oh, uh, yeah. For uh, any of you uh, making uh, any uh, breads out there, uh, don't skip out on doing a little egg wash before you put that uh, bun in the oven. Mm-hmm. It really makes a nice difference. Gives the bread a really nice golden finish when it comes out.
0: It does. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking more about like bread and rituals and holidays this year. Because I think that's a really significant connection in a lot of uh, cultures. And I think challah is really like probably the most iconic um, Mm -hmm. ritual, but also just homely bread. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about it.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun.
0: Also, thank you for giving me challah. That was really good.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> that
0: was that was very very good. Do you have anything you want to plug before we wind us things up or?
1: Um, no, I just uh, wish everyone a great week.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Mm-hmm, thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. Want to join the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom's Alatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com/nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, who is literally on this episode. Thomas, Anne, Erica, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, Sarah, Nell, Carol Ann, and Rachel. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash no bad food pod and make it happen. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who loves Hala. because like, if your friends don't love Hala, like what are they doing? Our theme music is by Zach Fluffy Bread Boy Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Kinda Difficult to Braid Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least this show was produced by me Tephra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatinia as part of the Podcavern network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. You understand It just takes a little time it takes
1: a little time No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to Podcavern.com. Report. Said Collection. Discrepancy straightlined, Moth said. Meet Moth. Moth travels everywhere and everywhere in search of often deadly discrepancies, and tries to make sense of the briefs she gets from collection. There were holes in the brief, you know. I don't like that. The Moth Collection Podcast. It's science fiction with a little bit of horror. It's weird and funny and romantic, and there won't be another season. 14 episodes, and that's it,
0: people. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Podcavern.